The following is a production of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. For more information about the seminary, how you can support it, or applying to become a student, please visit www.gpts.edu. Hello and welcome to another edition of Confessing Our Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. My name is Zach Groff, and I'm your host. And today I have with me in the studio Mike Cuneo. Mike is a PCA teaching elder currently serving in Italy. Mike, thank you so much for being here. Hey, Zach. Great to be here. Now, Mike is a graduate of the seminary, and so this is one of our graduate spotlights. We have the pleasure over the summer months of having a lot of our graduates uh, back stateside, and a lot of times they come and visit us uh, for a variety of reasons. And so Mike graduated from Greenville in 2005 with his MDiv, and since August of 2009, he's been living full-time in Viterbo, Italy, which is north of Rome, in between Rome and Florence. He was on the show four years ago with Bill, um, but since he's in town, and since uh, we are thankful for the work he's doing, and, and Dr. Piper in particular has a special interest in the work, we wanted to have him back on the show to tell us a little bit more about you know what's been going on in the last four years, as well as um, remind us of why he's there and, and kind of what he's doing there. So without further ado, Mike, um, would you tell us why Italy? Why Viterbo? Well, the first is God's calling. And in his providence, I met a fellow uh, a student in seminary back in 2004, 2005. And we became friends. And in short, um, he had asked me to come over. First, Dr. Pipe made a trip over to this small mission church and then um, he asked if I would be interested in considering Italy, uh, being sent as a missionary to Italy. I, I said I would pray about it. I sought counsel from my fellow elders and other men and prayed more. And then I, w- I said um, I felt God's call uh, internally. And then that was confirmed by Presbytery in 2007. Before I went, I actually visited Italy for a month just to make sure is if it was um as I thought it would be, and, and with the consent of that group there. So in 2007, I was officially sent to be missionary uh, with the Powers of Evangelists in uh, Viterbo, Italy. That's great, Mike. And now I imagine, though I've never been to Italy myself, I would love to go, uh, but I imagine it's not all you know pizza pies and grapes and, and wine and you know oil and whatever— um, can you tell us a little bit about what it's like, you know, nationally in Italy, but even particularly in Viterbo and your community? And what are some of the unique blessings and, and challenges that you face as a Reformed and Presbyterian minister uh, serving as a missionary there? Sure. Um, most people, when they go to Italy, obviously they think of uh, pizza, gelato, uh, coffee, cafe, and um and they think of the vacation spots, the memories, and most people I, uh, with whom I speak uh, talk about, oh, I'd love to go, I'd love to come. And I, I understand there's a certain sense in which um, there's nothing wrong with that. But once you live there, it's a much different dynamic, and particularly as a uh, church planter, one who's bringing forth the gospel. Some of the enjoyments of Italy are those very things you mentioned, the culture, the the different languages and dialects. The, the, it's like... Uh, it's like a pot of minestrone in Italy. You have different uh, varieties in different regions. Uh, I mentioned dialects, different foods. My wife, Ivana, is from Palermo, Sicily. And when we go there, it's much different than if we were to go to the north or even than Viterbo. Uh, 
So uh, I really enjoy that. The Italian people are wonderful people uh, with much history and much variety. Um, that being said, uh, one verse that comes to mind when I think of Italy is there was no king in Israel in those days, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. Obviously, one of the main challenges in Italy, uh, most people will, the first thing that will come to mind is the Roman Catholic Church, and obviously they have a uh, quite a presence there. There, uh, Someone told me around, out of 60,000 Italians, around 46,000, or excuse me, uh, 60 million, out of 60 million, 46 million would profess to be Roman Catholics. However, in reality, only a small percentage actually go to Mass, and most people with whom I speak will say, well, I don't believe in the institution of the church, but I still pray to Mary, or I still pray to Padre Pio, or what have you. So the superstition is still there, although they may not be uh, following the institution, at least in put it, to put it in their words. So some of the, the challenges, one of the challenges is that, um, which is also a blessing, is that there's such ignorance of the Word of God. And one of the blessings in that is when you start to speak about the truth and you start to ask questions or explain something from the Scripture, most people will give you an ear. Most people will actually listen or, or they'll ask a question. And I found that in the United States, some of the hardest, most hardest, hard-hearted people with whom I've spoken to about Christ in Italy are um, my own countrymen, sadly are Americans who've heard the truth, who've rejected it. So in a certain sense, when I uh, speak with individuals in Viterbo in Italy, there is at the first uh, time, there is that openness, curiosity. Uh, one of the challenges is with the language, because we cannot just use the same terms such as Protestant and expect them to understand that in the same way. I was shocked when... Uh, several people used the term Protestant and included under that umbrella Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, Presbyterians, etc. So um, we have to be very careful about how we use terms. We usually have to, def to define them or try to just use scriptural language to, to describe who we are and what we believe. But the challenge is... Uh, being patient and persevering. We, we're, t we're tearing down false ideas about who Jesus is, about how we are saved. Um, we don't have, many of you can think in your church, or perhaps you're one of them, you've transferred from another congregation for a reason of work or what have you, and you're able to take that experience, that knowledge that the Lord's given you through the ministry of your previous church and you're able to hit the ground running and participate and encourage and be active in the church in which you find yourself now. Where we are, we don't have that privilege. Uh, we don't have that many people coming to us, transferring from another church. If, and if they do, if they come from a church background, it's not necessarily a, a rich one. So we, we, in our minds, have an idea more or less of what a healthy church looks like or what it ought to be. In Italy, many do not ha even have that conception in their mind. And so what we're trying to do is teach and preach and from the Word of God to lay out what the Scripture says about how the church should look and how it should function. 
and by God's blessing through His Spirit, we ourselves um, are participating in that, and God is um, working in us. Um, I asked a pastor, two pastors once, I asked them, and I respect these men, I asked them, um, do you have one word of advice for a younger man in Italy? This is around back in 2009, 2010. And one man said, uh, persevere. And asked the other the same question. He said, occupy until he comes. What I caught from their, their words were, if you're going to be here, it has to be for the long term. And you're going to have to persevere through times of little, times of more in terms of the, the vitality of the church or the work. Um, and one thing that drives me is that the nations belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. They've been given to him as inheritance, and Italy belongs to Christ. He's worthy of worship. He's, he, is, he is worthy of our praise, and God is seeking worshipers, those who would worship him in spirit and in truth from every nation, including Italy. And so that is our uh, one, one passion is that Christ must be exalted, and if he is lifted up, he will draw men to himself. That is encouraging, Mike, and, and it's, it's encouraging to hear you say that, the, um, that there's a great opportunity in Italy, because from, from, from my perspective, as one who's not as familiar with Italy, I see this, this um, you know, not, not massive, but you know, sizable enough Western country uh, that's dominated by um, the Church of Rome. And and I think, wow, you know, they have a built-up theology, they have a dogma, they have a a you know millennia-old uh, you know tradition that they're drawing from that we have to go up against as as Protestants with the doctrines of the Reformation and the doctrines of the Bible and bring to bear. And it, it reminds me, you know, your average everyday Roman Catholic. In, in a nominally Roman Catholic country is much like your average everyday evangelical in the United States, and that is, uh, you know, may not be going to church, um, or in their case, going to Mass, uh, is, not, is not all that familiar with the Bible, and is, is you know, maybe going to be interested in learning a little bit more from someone who is, who is you know, rehearsed or, or, or well-studied in the Word of God. And and willing to willing to open it up with them and actually look at it, and so that's encouraging to me to hear hear you describe kind of the situation there today. Um, this is this is this might seem like a random question, and I know Italy isn't Greece, but I have friends from Greece who identify as evangelical and they're Presbyterian as well. And she told me when she uses the term evangelical in Greece back in her hometown when she visits that she gets these looks like like crazy and she has family members that even even you know just I won't I won't utter them on the air but uh claim oh evangelicals do this that or the other thing is that term problematic in where you are in Italy or is it an unknown term no it's it's evangelical is more of a well-known term and sometimes uh we'll use it just to avoid the confusion that comes about but it really depends upon to whom you're speaking and understanding what what their knowledge is if you're talking to somebody who is a history professor let's say just for example um, they're obviously going to know you can use different terms but if you're speaking to somebody from the street evangelical might be a term uh, reformed uh, but then they might think you're part you're part of uh, maybe a, a liberal church so they're always having to define 
who you are, but I, I think it's best to just define who we are from the scriptures. And we find with um, some individuals as well, if we use the term evangelical, they'll think that we are um, Pentecostal or charismatic. Um, and obviously, we have differences with our, our brothers in, in, in those uh, groups. So you just have to know the individual and use wisdom discernment to how to define what you believe. Um, it's always best to use the scripture, the sword mm-hmm. of the spirit. Yeah, that seems pretty similar to what we face in the United States too. <laughs> now, moving on to another question, um, you know, four years ago, you, you gave us a little bit of a rundown of what, what you were doing in Italy. Um, I don't know, you know, what has changed, what has stayed the same in the last four years, and maybe more broadly, what are you doing there today? What does your ministry look like in Viterbo with the church, or with the work? So on the Lord's Day, we have uh, our morning prayer meeting at uh, 10 a.m., and then we have our worship at from 10.30 to noon, and then we have a fellowship meal once a, once a month. On Thursdays, uh, I know you all in the States have Wednesday as a, a Bible study time. We have Thursday afternoon. And then we, we try to meet during the week, whether it be for coffee or occasional pizza or, or something like that, just to get to know one another. And it's also, um, we might have a special meeting. For example, we're going to be having Dr. Piper come to Viterbo in June for a Bible conference, and he'll be speaking on the fruit of the Spirit. And then uh, Dr. George Scipioni will be coming in July to speak about uh, on Ephesians. So we're looking forward to these are special occasions where we get a rich dose of teaching, preaching from the Word. Uh, so we look forward to that. That's wonderful. And um, I know Dr. Piper is looking forward to spending some time with you all in in Italy, and um, I'm sure Dr. Scipioni's got to be just great with you too. I mean, he's such an encouraging man to, to sit under his teaching. So speaking about some of these seminary professors, um, how, you know, how would you say today, Green, your time at Greenville Seminary uh, here in our classrooms with our, with our faculty, how has that equipped you for the work that you're doing in Italy now? The first, the greatest benefit that I had from seminary uh, was was for my sanctification, sitting under the preaching of the word, the instruction in the classroom, the um, the godliness that was adorned by the professors here. So I was thinking back, uh, in a given week, I could have two sermons on a Lord's Day, and then I have the three chapel messages, and then if I'm in the homiletics class, I could have an additional two or three sermons to sit under and then you go out, and it's uh, it's somewhat of a va- vacuum. You try to feed yourself through sermon audio and various other means. But I would say my sanctification, the love for the church and for her confessions, um, the, the desire not to be an innovator, but to t- faithfully take what's been handed down to us, the, the truth that has been once for all um, transmitted to the saints, and to take that and to be faithful to it and to labor uh, regardless of the circumstances. We have to remember, again, most people don't have any church background, and it can be very intimidating for somebody all of a sudden to ask personal questions about their prayer life or about how their Bible reading is going. And we have to realize that. We also have to help them understand that we're, we're there to help them along, not to uh, not to uh, cast a whip or, or to scourge them in any way. 
So sometimes uh, you have to meet them halfway or the main thing is to communicate. I'd much rather have communication with my people, um, hear what their prayer needs are, what they maybe they have other needs. Uh, so pizza, gelato, ice cream, um, or gelato is ice cream, and coffee, the simple things that we have in the culture. We might say, hey, do you want to go for uh, pizza? Do you want to go out for gelato? And we do that because we, we want to know them more and spend time with them, encourage them. But in that context, sometimes uh, people are more freely open to say something, to say they have a need, whether it be economic or they're struggling through something. And so that's that's just one method, one approach. Sometimes you have to speak with people more in a more private, direct manner. But um, the main thing is not to have any obstacles to loving our people and to spending time with them. And I know I need to grow in that, to, to love them more, to uh, continue to seek ways that I can serve them, and because I'm growing in grace and knowledge as well. And so I'm a fellow sinner. Mm. Um, I'm marching to, to Zion, as we sing, but it's, um, it's living together, it's crying together, it's, it's, it's suffering together. It's uh, praying together um, as the body of Christ. Thanks, Mike. And we talked about how you were equipped at seminary for the work, um, you know, steering clear of innovation, you know, sanctifi- being sanctified under the preaching of the Word. Now, how, how did your experience here in Greenville at a local church um, prepare you for what you're doing in Italy? I like to draw the distinction between being equipped in the classroom with the tools that you need for ministry, but then going out and using the tools and really learning how to use them in context in the local church and being trained there under faithful and godly ministers. You know, how, how did your training in the local church here prepare you for what God has, or where God has led you now? Well, the God placed me in a small congregation where there was faithful preaching of the word and faithful ministry of the word and emphasis on the means of grace the people were very diverse. We did have some seminary students, but one of the things that it taught me is to persevere regardless of the number of people, regardless of the circumstances. It also taught me to interact with individuals with whom I'd probably not interact if it were if I had my way. Because we we usually was what do we say in the States? I forget, birds of a feather flock together. So uh in any church we should force ourselves and try to serve and get to know people who are completely different from us. Mm-hmm. Um, they're part of the body of Christ. Um, I'm not any more important than they are. So in the, in the local church, I think one of the things I learned was that, that the seminary didn't teach me is to, to begin to love people, to be patient with people. And that's something, it's a life lesson that I'm still learning today with the people, different people that we have in our, in our church. Now, this is bringing us, I think, probably to the to the runway here. Uh, we're making our descent on the podcast on this short episode where we're spotlighting the work that you're doing. But I wanted to ask, what are some of your needs that listeners should be aware of there in Viterbo? Right. Thank you. Um, well, <laughs> there are many needs. We're, uh, I'm just one man, and I realize I'm expendable. Um, we're all expendable. But we do it for Christ. We do it for His glory and for His honor. And one of the things that we've been praying as a session for is a, are not just one, but co-laborers 
Jesus commanded us to pray that the Lord of the harvest send laborers into the harvest. Um, harvest is great, but the laborers are few. So I don't, uh, in God's providence, I'm laboring alone as a teaching elder. That's not my intention, so we're praying for that. So please do, please do pray for that. Pray next that we would, we would grow in our love for one another, a love for the truth, um, in our serving one another, love for, for one another, that we be patient with one another. Um, really just this growth that is not only for our members, but for myself, for my wife, that um, we're conformed to the image of Christ. And that in Italy, uh, as many of you remember from your trips, you'll drive around and you'll see these cities set upon a hill. And our lives are to be like that city set upon a hill. And so that's in order for us to have a, uh, an influence, to, to be a, a visible testimony, our lives have to be transformed. Our, um, we have to adorn our doctrine with godliness. And it's, it's not just what we believe, but how we practice that in our lives. So do pray for our growth in grace. Mm. Uh, there are many other needs, but I'll, I'll close with this. Pray that um, the Lord provide uh, us with prayer warriors people who are willing to persevere in prayer for us. It's a generational ministry. It's um, day-to-day. Um, we need to pray for the salvation of uh, the many people with whom we've had contact. Uh, pray that we are bold in our witness. Pray that the Lord protects us from evil men who, who do not have the faith. Pray that um, the Lord Jesus build his church. He's promised to do it. Pray that we're uh, faithful and available in being used of him for uh, for this work. Pray also for financial support. Uh, it's, we're not able to be there uh, without the support of uh, churches and, and individuals. Um, if anyone would like to get more information regarding how to pray, we do send out a regular prayer update. And you may go to missiontoitaly.com. Again, that's missiontoitaly.com. So that, those are... Some of the needs are others that we put out in the, in the prayer update, but I really thank you for the opportunity to speak to you about Italy. I'm not the only one there. Uh, there are other brothers who are laboring there. Uh, I'm not the expert at all, but I, I hope that I was able to, to share a little slice of, uh, of the ministry there, of some of the things. Um, we have some other projects we're excited about. Um, when I get back, we'll, we'll start uh, utilizing more the newly translated children's catechism from the CMI uh, children's catechism. Mm. And I would say in terms of maturity in our church, that's, that's where we're at, and that's, that's fine. But use of the catechism, uh, we have other translations uh, dealing with catechetical work. And um, so we need prayer for these things. We need prayer uh, not just to have these things done for, for us and for next gen- future generations, but also we need the Spirit's blessing that uh, truly we're, we're transformed by the Word of God um, to be a holy people and to be that, uh, that light that's, that's shining there. Thank you, Mike. Now, I, I would just exhort my listeners to, to consider the significance of this work. There was a time uh, in recent history, just within the last few hundred years, where to be a Reformed uh, pastor or missionary in Italy was to invite physical persecution, even death, um, to yourself and threats to your family. Um, 
f- praise God that 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 has largely passed. That today Mike is able to be there and to minister freely and without threat of persecution. And as a result, there's a great opportunity here for the gospel to go forth in a way that it hasn't been able to in uh, in previous centuries. So, would you please name Viterbo and the Cuneos and Mission to Italy in your prayers as you think of Italy? Uh, you know, I I would encourage you don't just think of um, a vacation destination, though it's certainly that, and that's fine. But think of it as uh, as as a place where real ministry is is going forth, where there's a Greenville grad doing important work, and other men and women as well who are um, you know sharing the gospel in their homes and and men from their pulpits. So please pray for the Cuneos. And again, if you want more information or to sign up for their newsletter, go to missiontoitaly.com. All one word: missiontoitaly.com. And um, pray specifically for co-laborers in the work, that God would bring godly officers, uh, Italians, um, to saving faith, and then and then to a call to serve the church as elders and deacons there, and then also uh, for a fostering of love in the community of faith, that they would be as a city on a hill, that the community around them, uh, a watching world, would see them and know that they're Christians by their love. Mike, thank you for joining us in the studio today. I'm looking forward to to seeing you more and and getting to talk with you more. And um, I'm very thankful for the work that you're doing. Thanks, Zach. Thanks for the opportunity, everyone. Take care. You've been listening to a production of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. For more information about the seminary, please visit www.gpts.edu.